Welcome to the world of Echio Tora, the realm that will act as host for the story of Roll for Initiation. My name is Gabrielle. I am the DM editor and producer for Dungeons & Doodles. As you may know, Roll for Initiation is a new actual play show from Dungeons & Doodles. With this new campaign on the horizon, I thought some of the players and I would sit down and talk about some of the essential world-building details, so those of you listening at home would have some ground to stand on when our first episode comes out. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. The world started as a collaboration between the gods, of which there are six that make up the forces of this reality. Xenos of the Shattered Mirror, Kadal of the Breaking Land, Avian of the Changing Winds, Liara of the Eternal Loop, Vina of the Whispered Truth, and finally, Theta of the Burning Beacon. Xenos of the Shattered Mirror is a god of trickery, luck, and illusions. You'll find their influence in not only the temples dedicated to their power, but also in the gambling halls and thieves' guilds. You'll find them in the lies and half-truths, in the magician's hat from which the rabbit is seemingly plucked, in the four-leaf clovers and black cats that cross your path. Their holy symbol is a hand mirror in the shape of a peacock feather with the glass broken. And as you might be able to guess, their associated animal is a peacock. Kadal of the Breaking Land is a goddess of war and destruction. You'll find her influence in not only her places of worship, but also on battlefields and in bar brawls. You'll find her in the passion that people have for the things that matter to them, in the links they'll go to to fight for that passion, in the paths that lead to victory or to ruin. Her holy symbol is an upturned warhammer with branching cracks throughout it. Her associated animal is a bull. Avian of the Changing Winds is a god of nature and tempest. You'll find her influence in her temples of worship, and in port towns, forests, and in places where nature thrives on its own. She often works in conjunction with her partner, Theta of the Burning Beacon. Her holy symbol is a protea blossom with a lightning bolt stabbed through the middle. Her associated animal is a butterfly. Liara of the Eternal Loop is a goddess of life and death. You'll find her influence in not only the temples dedicated to worship, but also in places where life and death are so specifically powerful. Hospitals, morgues, graveyards, funeral homes, any facility of that nature is deeply influenced by the Eternal Loop. Her holy symbol is an Ouroboros in the shape of an infinity sign, and her associated animal is a snake. Vina of the Whispered Truth is a god of knowledge. You'll find fair influence in the temples dedicated to fair worship, as well as in institutions of information and education. Fair most often seen as the patron god of libraries, archives, universities, and other similar places. Fair holy symbol is a pictogram of a mouth with the lips sewn together. Fair associated animal is the gray fox. Theta of the Burning Beacon is a god of light and creation. You'll find his influence in not only the temples and shrines dedicated to him, but also in the fields of crops and in the lighthouses that bring the ships home. He's often considered a god of the harvest and a partner to Avian of the Changing Winds. His holy symbol is a lighthouse with three rays of light emitting from the top. His associated creature is a firefly. There are six main continents in Eagle Torah. Iasica, Ochera, Bregawind, Kikira, Aonera, and Uroya. Once upon a time, though, these six landmasses used to be one, an unnamed supercontinent from where all life originated. It was on this supercontinent that the peoples of the world would develop the earliest forms of language, religion, culture, and technology. Most importantly of all, however, was magic. 
Magic was given to humanity in the earliest days of existence by the gods as a tool through which mankind would shape the world to their needs. Although some conflict got in the way, magic became just as important as technology in how the world would develop itself. Some magic even becoming integral to the development of technology. During an incredible time of peace, the arcane became something beyond the tool it was given to them as. It became entertainment, something that people would learn for fun. In the Grecian-style forums and plazas, people would gather for seminars taught by other practitioners, learning anything that they could regardless of power level. There were no restrictions or need for formal education in the arcane. Later down the line, though, this free attitude toward magic would come back with a vengeance, specifically in the form of a very powerful mage who learned his power in those same seminars, whose vie for supremacy would soon turn into a global disaster, one that would shatter the continent and then the unity that mankind had built over the years. Our story comes into focus in the year 6867, thousands of years after the shattering and the subsequent installation of Magician's Accord, a law put in place to restrict the teaching of the arcane above a certain level to accredited institutions. Despite this, magic is something that everyone learns at a basic level. Usually, regular citizens will learn cantrips and first-level spells that are useful in everyday life when they reach what is the equivalent of high school. Higher-level magic is limited to universities and highly specialized trade schools. Once a form of security was reshaped, peoples of this world moved on to new cultures and traditions. For this campaign, the continent we're focusing on is Iasica. Iasica is a semi-tropical archipelago in the southern hemisphere with a diverse collection of environments, from the arid mountains in the north to the tropical rainforests and lush valleys stretching from east to west, and the more temperate wilderness of the south. In total, there are six different territories in Iasica. Helion, the land of the glowing flowers, Durie, the land of the fairy blossoms, Kalis, the land of the steep, Alia, the land of the twisting trees, Agari, the land of the blooming spores, and finally, Laia, the land of the curling vine. Helion, the land of the glowing flowers, spans across a wide swath of the continent, but the capital city is located in a strip of tropical grasslands in the east. The region is named as such due to the fields of flowers that grow anonymously and sometimes impossibly throughout the region's area areas many environments. The flowers are believed to be a blessing from the burning beacon and a sign of his favor. On top of the abundant harvests found at the various farming, farming villages across the land, because the region is so large it has the privilege of being home to a rather diverse collection of cuisine. Food is a large part of cultural tradition, especially in Helion, and once a year the capital plays host to a massive food festival that brings in tourists, chefs, bakers from all across the continent. Durie. The land of the fairy blossoms is a slightly smaller region in the southern part of the continent. Situated in a combination of tropical grasslands and temperate forests, the region is named for an abundance of hummingbird fuchsia flowers, which make an appearance throughout the area. This particular region is known for its success in the world of international trade and plays host to a number of different fisheries and harbors. Kalis. The land of the steep is a small region in the southwestern corner of the continent. Surrounded by a more temperate landscape, the region is named such because of the high elevations and steep cliffs that define its geography. The region is very well known for being a hub for airship technology and mid-air transportation, especially including the open-air tram system used to travel between the area's southern islands. Alia, the land of the twisting trees, is the third largest region in the far west side of the continent, situated within a fusion of semi-arid and Mediterranean conditions. The area is named for the rows and rows of twisting all old olive trees which are native to the area. 
While the region is sometimes recognized for its particular attention to religious practice, it is most recognized above all for being a hub for the arts. Some of the best educational programs surrounding music, writing, and more physical arts take place here. Augury, the land of the blooming spores, is a rather large underground city-state under the mountains to the far north. The area was named due to the extensive underground mushroom farming pods which make up a good chunk of the city's exports. The area is known for not only its unique ge geographical situation, but also for its unique approach to commerce. Augury is one of the few places where the trading of favors or objects is valued above typical forms of currency. Laia. The land of the curling vine is a fairly small city-state isolated to a singular arid but hilly island to the northeast. It is named for the curling grapevines that populate the many competing wineries and vineyards that make up most of the agriculture in the area. Laia was originally a very arid, desolate landscape, but has since become a marvel of ag agricultural magic thanks to the arcanic innovations of the world's mages. It is through these manipulations of nature that the island is able to play host to the aforementioned competing wine labels. In the year 6867, Ayasaka is just coming out of a war with their neighboring continent in the east, Kikira, and is in the process of recovering from the strain on resources and manpower. In addition, its citizens live in a time of seeming confusion and odd occurrence. Strange things have been happening throughout the continent for the past few decades, and over those years, an organization has risen up to take note. The Order of the Eternal Queen. The Order is an organization that popped up one day in the capital city of Helion looking to build their archive, claiming to be reviving the research of the long-dead Queen Saint Aria Valentina. The Order stepped in to continue researching strange phenomena just as she once did during her reign over Alia in the decades following the Shattering. Since then, the Order has become a staple of everyday life, with branches all throughout the continent where people would come to give statements of the bazaar, turn in artifacts, and do research on topics that cannot be acquired elsewhere. They are a beacon of knowledge. Even knowledge the Temple of the Whispered Truth would seemingly not reveal. They're well-liked, well-respected, and have a great amount of influence. They are also a cult desperate to bring people into the fold with promises of the greatest desires and needs of their recruits. They gleam in the sunlight, but blend in with the shadows all at the same time, thanks to the separation of activities within the Order. The White Court takes care of the public-facing activities, while the Black Court works behind the scenes in places where the sun doesn't shine. As we journey to learn more about the Order, our story will see our new heroes as they navigate their place in the system. Well, that's it. Welcome to the world of Echiotora. We're so glad to have you on this journey with us, and we hope that we will see you back for the first episode of Roll for Initiation on September 25th. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time.